With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey everyone, welcome in back to the BT Powerhouse podcast. It is Friday, July 29th. As always, my name is Thomas Bendit. I will be your host. This is our 71st podcast. We're turning along. Um, before we get into some of the topics today, which are primarily going to be recruiting-based, um, I did just want to throw out, uh, apologize for kind of the absence here over the last month or so. Um, I was actually studying for the, the bar exam, um, which hopefully went well. Don't get the results for a while. <laughs> but um so yeah, I was I was off doing that. So we haven't had a podcast here in a little bit. So I wanted to jump right back in, get onto it. Um, so this will almost be sort of a recap and less of a uh, a deep analysis, I, I guess I would say. And and the big thing I wanted to hit on is you know catching up on the recruiting trail for the Big Ten. Um, a lot has happened over the last couple of weeks. Some major major commitments. And the type of commitments that really could shake up, you know, shake up the entire conference for years to come. And, you know, certainly starting next year, when the recruits arrive, obviously. But uh, so I wanted to jump into the big one right away. Um, And that, sorry, I I was just thinking of how I want to go about this. But yeah, so I want to, I want to jump into, you know, undeniably the biggest commitment for the Big Ten so far uh, this summer. One could argue that it's the biggest commitment in the 2017 class, and that's Jeremiah Tillman committing to Illinois. He is an elite prospect. I believe he's rated as a five-star by all the, the scouting services. I'm pretty confident he is in the 247 composite, which is kind of the, yep, Rivals has him as a five, Scout has him as a five. ESPN has him as a four, but I know on 247, the composite, again, he is a five-star. Big man out of Illinois, the hometown state, 6'10", 235 pounds, at least according to verbal commits. He, this this is a big-time talent, you know, definitely the biggest commitment under John Gross, you know, Illinois have been kind of known as sort of the unofficial runners-up uh, of the Big Ten over the last couple of years. They've been in on so many big prospects, just haven't been able to close the deal. But this time they did. And really what what has me really intrigued about it is, um, you know, he adds to what's already And, you know, they're not done yet. They still have, I want to say, one or two scholarships open for the 2017 class so it could get better last i looked uh, yes uh, you know it looks like they have two or three spots and i don't know if they're going to use them all on the 2017 class but it uh or uh, i apologize they have three spots open three commits but you know assuming regular attrition and so on they will certainly have four spots open currently have three commits as i noted I think 
they uh, they were number four last I looked in the 247 team rankings as a recruiting class, which is, you know, I, I hate to get, uh, they dropped to five. Um, Xavier just moved up. They got a couple commits here recently, but I know people are always hesitant to buy in really early on those recruiting rankings and for good reason, you know, generally, you know, there's so many commits who haven't chosen their school yet and a lot of the big ones on the board. So it's, you should hesitate, I guess, is a is a good strategy on buying in too much. But, you know, with the average, you know, they're looking at an average of a, a good four-star quality recruit in this class. And I would be shocked if it didn't finish in, I would assume, somewhere around the, the top 15, especially if they can get a big commitment as their fourth commitment in the class, which I it looks like they're going to do that. But before I wanted to move on, I did just want to touch on Illinois a little bit more. I think this is a commitment where I wrote about this on BT Powerhouse on uh, Thursday. If you're interested, definitely check it out. It, it was kind of a a fun topic. And my whole concept is kind of this could give Illinois a really awkward season. And that isn't something I say a lot for a basketball team. But the thing for Illinois is, you have, you know, they're coming back. There's no doubt that John Gross is on the hot seat. No doubt. I mean, 10 out of 10, 100% certainty he is on the hot seat. Now, the range of that, who knows, you know, what he has to do this year to come back, who knows. But, you know, now they're coming in. They have a top five recruiting class right now, which, again, probably won't end up top five, but will probably be top 10, top 15-ish maybe higher if, you know, if that last commitment is a, is a big time recruit or so on, but, and they're going to be in the situation where very likely, you know, I, this Illinois roster, I know a lot of people are optimistic about them. There are certainly reasons to be optimistic. I'm not going to argue with those people, but this is not a lock for the NCAA tournament at all this year, you know, especially with none uh, gone. It's, they're just, they're not a lock anymore. And I think that's significant because, you know, if they're sitting on the bubble, there's going to be a lot of pressure to bring John Gross back just because of this class. I don't know if it'll be enough to override, you know, some of the other concerns, but, you know, it's going to be something to watch. It's going to make them really intriguing and it's going to put a lot of extra stress on this year. Um, I know Tillman had said, or at least some of the stuff I had read that he's committing to the school He's not committing to a coach or to play with a certain player. So theoretically he's committed regardless going forward, but you always got to take that kind of stuff with a grain of salt. You know, who knows things happen on the recruiting trail. It's always a mess, but I I think that's going to make them in a very interesting spot. The good news though, is that, you know, if they, if he does hold on, there's no major attrition, they should have a pretty good, pretty good lineup heading into next year. You're going to lose uh, Hill. You're going to lose Abrams. You're going to lose Tate and you're going to lose uh, Morgan and, and Mike Thorne. So you're losing a lot, but really outside of Hill, you're not losing any major known commodities and you're going to have Coleman lands back. You're going to have Lucas coming back. You're going to have DJ Williams. You're going to have Laron black and you'd have Tillman up front, which looks like that's a pretty talented lineup. And as we mentioned, you know, they, are set, they could add even more before then. So, I mean, very intriguing roster. 
if things go well enough for John Gross to come back and there's there's no drama on the recruiting trail before then. But big time commitment, you know, big get for John Gross, big get for the the Fighting Illini. You certainly have to be excited for him because you know they they have missed out on a lot of these big guys recently. So that's exciting news out of Champaign. But moving on to our our next one here that I wanted to hit on. I just got a handful. I'm going to hit on these a little a little briefer, I guess. I know I didn't spend a ton of time on them, but uh, just because that you know that was such a high profile one. But the the person I wanted to talk about was Evan Taylor, who is a JUCO player who is now going. He's committed to uh, Nebraska, and looks like he has signed as well. So officially, he will be heading over to play with the Cornhuskers. Obviously, this is a reaction to the Andrew White transfer, which is what we talked about on the last podcast. But, you know, I believe he's, you know, 6'5", 205, um, solid scoring guard, more of a forward, I guess. But, you know, he's not Andrew White. That's the first thing I'd say. Um, he's a guy who's he's going to help with that issue. But it's at least a, another piece to help fill that void now, which is going to be massive with both Shields and White. Uh, off to their respective destinations. I'm not sure how it's going to kind of shake out um, for Nebraska, but it, at least this is another option, you know, on the wing, they're going to be thin. They're not going to have a ton of depth. Um, you know, I, I, I'd love to sit here and say, I think Nebraska is going to be great and Huskers fans get excited, but or it could be a rough year is what I would say. I think they got some some nice pieces on the team, some intriguing pieces, but you know, without White, you don't have that massive scoring presence. Um it's really going to be we'll see what Taylor can do in the backcourt. Um you know, as I mentioned, he probably can move around to a couple different spots if needed. Um I know some people have him as a point guard, some have him as shooting guard, but he he's a diverse player. I think he can move around, but it's going to be a lot on Anton Gill, a uh, former Louisville player uh, who transferred in a year ago. We'll see how he kind of shakes out. There's a lot of optimism about him. People really like his shot. They really like his ability to create his own shot. So I, I think he'll be able to pick up some of that slack. But, you know, it's it could be a rough go. And Taylor should help a little bit with that. You know, at least give him a little more depth and a little more experience on the roster. But uh, certainly a notable addition. But, yeah, it's, it could be rough that, that Andrew White transfer certainly left Nebraska in a tough spot, but at least they got a, a decent prospect on short notice uh, to move in and place him. So definitely something to watch. And, and as a side note, I do want to talk about Andrew White a little bit towards the end of the podcast. But uh, I'll save that for – once we get through these recruits here quickly, but the the next guy I want to hit on was um, a commitment for Wisconsin. I'm trying to get to my page here. Brad Davidson, who's a, a point guard. He comes out of Minnesota. Really nice player. He was really, I don't want to say he was blowing up on the recruiting trail because he still hadn't picked up the, the major, major offers yet, but you know, he had a lot of interest and certainly a lot of interest from the Big Ten. Um, you know, Nebraska was in, Dayton was in, I know Michigan was in, there was a, you know, Northwestern, 
Minnesota, a lot of Big Ten interest. He was coming up as a, a bigger big-time prospect in the Big Ten. I really think he's a quality player. I think he's going to fit really well into Wisconsin's system. Um, I think he's going to take care of the ball. He's going to be able to get his shot here or there. He's not – I don't think he's a tremendous scoring presence, but I think he's a, a smart player. He he has enough athleticism to play at the Big Ten level. And this is just one of those commitments. I know I, I, I've i talked about it with a couple of people, but, you know, this isn't going to be a flashy, you know, mega star commitment that, you know, you're really going to go, wow, you know, this guy could change everything. But I think he's going to be a real solid player in the Big Ten. This is one of those guys where I could see him being like a Kane, you know, a Bronson Kane, a guy like that who comes in, plays, plays consistently, and really at the end of the day, people miss him, you know, when he moves on. And I think he could be that kind of player, you know, a tough kid, hard nosed. I, I think he can, he can really make an impact. Again, I don't think he's going to be flashy over the top, but he's a Wisconsin recruit. You know, he's going to fit in great with them. I think he's going to make some noise, and I really, I'm really liking Wisconsin's class that they're bringing in. I know, again, perception of the class varies on who you talk to, but you know, I, I like uh, Nathan Rivers, I like Kobe King, and I like Brad Davidson now. So, you know, a lot of big-time schools wanted those three players. Wisconsin got them all, and I think uh, Greg Gard is certainly building something. We'll see how they do this year. You know, obviously a lot, some big and lofty expectations, but I think Davidson's a big pickup. And I think this is one of those pickups that people are overlooking now, but in hindsight are going to go back and say, you know, that was a sneaky, sneaky pickup for the Badgers yet again. We'll see how it shakes out, but, but I really like that pickup. And I, I think Wisconsin fans should be excited about him to be, to be honest. Um, two other ones I wanted to hit on briefly here. I know I keep saying that and keep talking forever, but <laughs> um, two others, I, to be honest, I haven't seen a ton of film on these guys. I haven't, I don't know a ton about these guys um, just because, as I mentioned, you know, I was studying for the bar kind of off the radar a little bit, but I did want to just note these and kind of positionally how they could play into it. The The first was Eli Brooks who committed to Michigan um, to, to just be frank. He hasn't, gotten a ton of attention um he plays in kind of a weird aau area you know they don't play on the national circuit and so on um so he's kind of gotten glossed over a lot by the recruiting services but he he had he was really starting to pick up attention i don't again i hate to use the term blow up because you know when a kid has major d1 offers it's kind of hard to say a kid blew up after that but you know kansas state was in on him North Carolina State was in on him, and Villanova, who, you know, just won the national championship, was recruiting him. He ended up committing to Michigan. Um, apparently, he's a, a big fan of John Beeline, really likes what Michigan's doing. He's uh, 6'1", so he, he certainly has the size to, to play at this level. I think, um, you know, he's going to come in at an interesting spot. Michigan – they're, they have three point guards on the roster, and I'm using that term very strictly because I know some people would say Mar could also play point guard. Well, that's a debate for a different day. But, you know, they have Walton, they have Dockage, who's the walk-on backup, and then they have Xavier Simpson, who's coming in as a pretty highly touted freshman. So 
you know, with Walton and Dockage set to graduate this year, you know, we'll see if Dockage can get a red shirt. He's been trying for the last two years. We'll see how that works out. But, you know, Brooks theoretically would move right into the backup role and, you know, as well, he could get a starting role if Xavier Simpson can't sort of hit the ground running, you know, this year and, and into next year. So it, it solidifies a group where Michigan really needed to add a guy in the 2017 class. And, you know, from what I've read, he sounds like a playmaker. As I mentioned, I haven't really gotten a chance to check out a lot of film on him, but I think he's a, he certainly seems like a guy, you know, Villanova's in on him. They've, they've done a great job recruiting over the last couple of years and have recruited some great guards as well. So uh, that speaks highly. And, you know, Beeline has a pretty good track record for guards as well, but, that's that's definitely a commitment to note. It'll be interesting to watch how his uh, rankings progress now that he's uh, indeed committed. And then the last the last guy I wanted to talk about briefly was a guard, uh, Geo Baker, from 2017, who committed to Rutgers. From what I understand, not a major major prospect, but he did have some offers. You know, he was offered by Kansas State, which that's a side note. Kansas State seems like they offer everyone. So if you're ever looking through kind of a, a funny little thing, but, you know, Boston University, uh, George Washington, as I mentioned, Kansas State, Lehigh, Northeastern, Rice, Vermont. Um, so he, he had a, a decent offer list, you know, putting in perspective where Rutgers is as a program, to be frank right now. But I do um, – that's definitely a, a commitment that can help add some much, much needed depth. You know, as we've talked about on this podcast before, uh, you know, when it, we had Dave White on, I want to say a month or two ago to chat about kind of how he saw things moving with uh, people in charge that they were probably going to bank some scholarships into 2017, just because they, they probably couldn't add a lot of depth for this year just based on where the program is and the, the short notice and turnaround, but they're probably going to have a bigger 2017 class. He's the first commitment to start out with and you know they're, they're going to need players right now and they're going to need to develop them. So I, I think it's certainly a notable commitment. We'll see kind of how it goes. Uh, you know, a kid out of Boston, Massachusetts, maybe they can start really tapping into that East coast and, you know, new England type of, uh, prospects that they're looking to add (laughs) so a notable commitment there but a lot going on in the recruiting trail um the last the last one i wanted to hit on here very very briefly is miles dread who has committed to penn state and i it is definitely worth mentioning he is a 2018 recruit um which uh you know he's really like a year, year, two and a half out, you know, however you want to really count it. But uh, <laughs> he is a two, four, seven. He's rated as a three-star recruit combo guard. He's out of the DC area. I'm, you know, we'll see kind of how he develops, but definitely something worth watching Penn state, you know, with that great 2016 class, they've carried over well into uh, 2018 now. And, uh, you know, Pat Chambers seems to be moving in the right direction. You know, we've, I've talked about with a few people that this is kind of this year and certainly next year are kind of, you know, money years. He needs to start getting some wins, starting getting some postseason appearances. But 
you know, he's getting some big commitments, so that'll definitely get the fans excited, and, and it looks like uh, another one for 2018. Um, and finally, I, I did want to talk here about a couple sort of minor, minor-ish notes. The, the first is Iowa. They got some big news, I want to say a week, two weeks ago or so on, uh, that Dale Jones, who formerly transferred into Iowa, would be getting his sixth year of eligibility, which is absolutely huge for uh, the program. You know, he's been spoken very highly of. He hasn't really had a chance to make a huge impact at Iowa yet. But I do think, uh, you know, that's a big commitment. You know, this is an Iowa team that's set to be very, very young, um, very inexperienced. And, you know, they need guys who've played before. They need guys who've been in the program for more than, you know, a week or two. Uh, I know it's over a week or two, but, you know, this is a very, very young team coming into this season and they need some elder statesmen around, you know, that's been, I was bread and butter over the last couple of years, you know, during this NCAA tournament streak that they've built now. And they're going to need a guy like Dale Jones to step up. I think he's an intriguing guy. I actually, I really like how Iowa's front court plays out. I know people are up and down on Iowa a lot, but I, I really do like how the front court looks. I think they have a lot of intriguing options. I don't know if they have any home run type of players, but, you know, maybe Dale Jones can be that guy. Iowa certainly, you know, look at Jared Utah last year. They've had their luck in the transfer market here recently. So I, I think that is one commit that, uh, well, I shouldn't say commit, but, you know, getting that extra year will certainly be a boost down the road here and could, uh, you know, could really be a boost to Iowa here over the next uh, year or two. But uh, the last the last little note I wanted to talk on, you know, not a super long podcast today. I think we're going to have another one over the weekend, really trying to uh, catch up on everything going on. But the last thing I did want to talk about here for a little while is, you know, obviously with, you know, we're near the end of the July here, the the old uh, – the transfer market's dying down. The NBA draft stuff's over. The summer league is over, you know, so there's not a ton going on at this point, but there is one transfer and uh, that is Andrew White, who I've already talked about before, you know, one of the better big 10 players in the entire conference last year, clearly was going to be Nebraska's best player this year. And he decided to transfer. There's been a lot of debate about why he did and what it means for Nebraska going forward. As I mentioned, I, to be completely frank and honest, I, I really think Nebraska is going to have a tough year this year. I just don't think they have, they, I don't think they have the pieces to really make that run without, um, without white. And, you know, we're talking about a team that finished near the bottom of the big 10 last year they lost uh, Siobhan Shields, who was already top two on that team, arguably the best player. And then you lose White. Now you're losing your top two guys. They lost a couple depth transfers. They have they have some nice new additions. You know, we talked about Taylor even a, a couple minutes ago. But losing White is major, major news, and it's going to be rough. But what I did want to do, though, is I wanted to – 
to jump into this article a little bit. And uh, it's on MLive by Brendan Quinn. And the reason it's on MLive, which is a Michigan site, is because Andrew White, you know, he's transferring, he's looking through his options. And one of his options is Michigan State. It, it really, you know, from everything you've looked at, it looks like it's probably going to be Michigan State or Syracuse. A lot of people have said Syracuse is probably the leader. It's hard to tell. Who knows? You know, it's not like White's posting his, his list every five minutes or something for us to look at. But um, Brendan Quinn for MLive had some interesting uh, comments, and he did an interview here with White, which um, weren't his comments, but it was White's uh, comments regarding kind of the fallout when he announced he's trans when he announced that he was transferring. Um, a lot of Nebraska fans took it to heart. They took it personally. And to be honest, you know, you really, it's tough to blame them. You know, guys really, you know, we've talked about this on this podcast before. You really don't transfer uh, certainly, you know, this late unless it's something that happens off the court. You know, you get in trouble, you go out partying or something, you get arrested and you get kicked off the team. Then you would transfer, obviously. But most people do not transfer this late because it puts the team in a tough spot. There aren't as many opportunities available. Um, it's just a, a tough situation. But according to what White has said, they had met, you know, Miles had released a statement. I'm not going to read through the whole statement if you want to. It's all over the internet. You know, just type in Andrew White, Tim Miles. But apparently, you know, they had been discussing. He was concerned about a spot and he decided to move. Uh, you know, transfer from the program, obviously. But according to White, which, you know, this is a very much he said, you know, she said type of situation, but uh, he basically met with Miles because he was concerned about, you know, how was the team going to perform? Uh, how How was the rotation going to go on? And um, this, this is the, uh, apparently Tim Miles did not take it well. Uh, when he was kind of questioning how the team was going to perform. Um, and this is, this is a quote from White. It was interpreted as a slap in the face, as if I was saying I didn't believe in the program, my teammates, or the coaching staff, White said. Really, I was just thinking about best-case scenario and worst-case scenario for everybody. I think that's something a lot of people do, um, end quote. And again, this is MLive, uh, Brendan Quinn interviewing Andrew White, who transferred from Nebraska. Um, he goes in a little deeper. I'm not going to read the whole thing because I don't want to just steal Brendan's quotes here, but, uh, really interesting because, you know, Tim Miles is one of the coaches that I find, uh, you know, uh, you know, mo most fans are interested about how are the teams doing? What do people think of the teams? But, you know, a lot of times if you're, if you're kind of on the writing side of things, you'll look at how teams are covered, how teams are perceived versus how they've performed as well. Um, and it's something I really, I really like to follow. Um, and I, I don't want to get too tra off track here with football, but I think, you know, a perfect example of this is James Franklin at Penn State. Um, if you're not a football fan, just suck it up for a couple minutes. I'm just going to go through this. But um, depending on who you ask, he's either a coach about to blow up and build this great program, or he's a coach who has been a complete failure since he's arrived at Penn State. I mean, they're all over the place. And I think to an extent, Tim Miles is in a similar situation. Um, you know, he's probably, he's had a better season than James Franklin has obviously, but 
you know, Tim Miles hasn't been ultra successful since he's arrived in Lincoln. You know, he has a very, very high level of uh, optimism, I would say, partially because I, I think Nebraska fans are really diehard. I think they're often really excited about their teams, which I think is great. But I think it gives them a little bit of an extra edge. And I, I think the other thing is, I think the media really likes Tim Miles. I think they really like him. I like him. I think he's a, a really funny guy, very likable. But I think it sometimes get him, gets him the benefit of the doubt in the situations like this. And it's really interesting to kind of get a player's perspective on what's going on. And, you know, to be honest, I don't know if I can blame White that much for being concerned, you know, from what the rumblings are is that, you know, as you may or may not remember, he declared for the NBA draft, ultimately opted to return under the new rule. And part of that evaluation was it seemed like teams wanted him to be in more relevant games. They wanted him to contend in the NCAA tournament, so on and so forth. I don't know how true it is or not, but it seems like it definitely left white concerns. And it seems like it's a major reason why he decided to leave. And um, I'm, inter- I'm, inter- I'm interested to get some reaction from other people, but it, it's one of those things where like, I, I kind of understand Andrew White's point of saying, Hey, you know, where are we going with this thing? Because I've been here for a couple of years now and things really haven't seemed like they're moving in the right direction, but I also get Tim miles, you know, you don't want to be called out by one of your own players here, but um Certainly an intriguing thing. You know, he had some very positive, uh, White, that is, had some very positive comments about Tim, Tom Izzo as well. I think that would be a huge, huge addition if Michigan State ultimately could land Andrew White. Again, I don't know how realistic that is just because of how Syracuse is sort of playing into the, the conversation here. But um, very intriguing and kind of kind of spins white in a couple different directions here on his, you know, what people are going to think of him. I know a lot of, a lot of people were very rough on Andrew White. I will just say after he announced he's leaving because of, uh, you know, sort of leaving his team to hang, you know, if you, if you leave with, uh, you know, a couple months before the next school year starts, it, it's going to put your team in a rough spot. But with this, you know, Everybody always wants to make themselves look good, obviously, but uh, definitely presents things in a little bit of a different light. And I found it interesting, and it's certainly going to be intriguing to Michigan State fans if he does end up going there. Um, I don't know if Nebraska has a double play against Michigan State, but um, that will be very interesting to watch if he does transfer and they they play each other. Um, you know, Michigan and Purdue will have that with Spike Albrick. I know Michigan and Indiana had that last year with Max Bielfeld. A uh, lot of intriguing storylines with that that whole thing, and and it's a story that I'm I'm definitely going to keep following over the next couple months, and uh, BT Powerhouse will as well. But but with that, I do want to end the podcast here. As I mentioned, there will certainly be another one this weekend, possibly two. Got to see how things kind of unfold here. But um, I think we're going to have some some really fun ones over the next couple. Um, I want to break down some of these non-con schedules that have been coming out. I think we're going to do that one next. Um, and then I want, to, I want to do some great conference realignment uh, hypotheticals and scenarios. So definitely be on the watch for that. That one should be coming here over the weekend or early next week. And we appreciate everyone uh, checking us out. Um, again, my name is Thomas Bendit. You can check me out on Twitter 
at T Bendit. Um, I write for BT Powerhouse, uh, btpowerhouse.com. A lot of great content. Um, and we're going to start getting into the preview stuff sooner rather than later. So thanks again for checking us out and look forward to seeing you guys next time.